right, we're going to uh, get into the Word right now. And uh, if you have not received a outline for today, lift your hand. The ushers will make one available to you. I know all of you young men will want to take notes for today. That's right. You might bring them a pen, too, because they don't carry those either. I just have one question for you today. Are you ready to die? If you don't know what that joke is, you have to listen to the podcast from last week. Listen to Pastor Ross tell the story of which uh, was at my expense. So today I'm going to speak to you on the subject of in it to win it, which is a phrase that has become somewhat popular in our modern culture. And my message is about how we can remain faithful over the long haul. Let's turn to the scriptures today to begin with, Philippians chapter 3 and 2 Timothy chapter 4. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, and then 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Maybe we ought to pray. Lord, we pray a blessing over this teaching today, ask you to minister to the heart of every person. This is not just some time we spend because we happen to want to get together, it's because we've come for you. We come not only to minister and worship to you, but we come to receive from you. And so we open our hearts to the word right now, asking you to speak to us, help us with our lives, give us direction and guidance throughout our days, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And now to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 through 8. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. This verse is very important to me, both of these verses really, but especially this one in Timothy for as I look back over my life at about the age of 10, I memorized this particular portion of Scripture along with 12 other portions of Scripture, a quarter's worth of Scriptures that I learned in Sunday school. And I quoted them from memory before the congregation and won my first Bible. So... Throughout my life, this verse has been a help to me to understand that it is necessary for us to fight a good fight 
and to finish the race and keep the faith. So I want to talk to you today about how we may continue in faith over a lifetime. Now, I think it's fairly obvious that I have not yet lived a lifetime because I'm right here. If I'd lived a lifetime, I'd be already expired, but I haven't yet. But it's been a while because I've loved and served the Lord for over 60 years, which to some of you does seem like a lifetime. So I would like to speak to you today as a father to many of you who may struggle with how to remain obedient to Christ and faithful to his principles through the ups and downs in your life. I know that many of you do experience these challenges along the way because I speak to members of the congregation, people who are going through various uh, stresses and strains in their life. And so I'm very much aware and have been throughout the years of pastoring a church that there are people who meet challenges they seem unable to overcome. But I want to help you today to remain obedient to Christ and faithful to his principles throughout your life. Now you're looking at me today and you're saying, well, this is an old guy who's had it pretty easy. His life has been uh, raised in church, came from a good family, I had few problems throughout my life. That's what people may think. But I want to help you to realize that I can identify with some of the experiences that you may have had or may be having in your life today. First of all, my father was not a believer in my early life. He did not come to Christ until after I graduated high school and went away to Bible college. He did, uh, did become a Christian and served the, the Lord the rest of his life until he died. But in my growing up years, as long as I can remember, my father was a mean old cuss. And he did cuss a lot. And fight a lot. And my home was full of conflict and anger. It was very uh, disturbing in my early life as I remember, to have my parents fight so much because he opposed my mother and I going to church. It was 15 miles to church, and gas was 19 cents a gallon, and he was upset about it. More than one time, we've walked out the door and had the car keys thrown at us as he ranted and raved over our going to church. I remember when I was about 14 years of age, uh, my parents were lying in the bed together, uh, fighting, which I don't know why you would lie in the bed to fight, but somehow they often chose that venue. <clears throat> I'll not say too much more about that, but, <clears throat> but I remember uh, this one instance very well. I, I was down the hall from them, and in our house, interestingly enough, there was only three doors. There was the front door, the back door, and the bathroom door and no other doors that I can recall in my house. So sound traveled pretty easy. It was a small house after all. So they were ranting and raving at each other, and they were saying, Honey! And then the other one would go, Well, darling! And they was fussing and fuming at each other, and I was so upset, and I came marching down the aisle in my underwear, and, and I stood by their bed, and I said, Shut up! You know what? They did. 
That was kind of the only time I ever got by with that. <clears throat> but it was, a, it was a troubling atmosphere to a young man is what I'm trying to say. So my father never really supported my call into the ministry. I received a call to the ministry young. I left a high school, went away to Bible college. Uh, all, all of that was kind of under the radar, it seemed like. Uh, for my father, and he never really, throughout the years of my ministry, ever really fully supported the fact that I uh, had been called to do the work of the kingdom. So I've experienced some issues in my life, some rejection, some church troubles I've been through. I've been fired. I've had financial loss. I've been through divorce. I know something about the troubles that come in the lives of people. Now, this does not give me any prizes. But at least it helps you to know that I may be able to identify with the experiences that you may be having in your life to some degree. My testimony is this, that I have had opposition in my life from those closest to me. Yet I have remained faithful to Christ and his calling upon my life. I've not been perfect but when it mattered, my choices were to follow him who gave his life for me. And that's a testimony for which I am very thankful. How is this possible to, to happen for such a long time? For 60 years, uh, I've been serving the Lord. And you're saying to yourself, I, I find it so difficult to get through the week without failing, without having opposition in my life. Well, it is true that some people do have trouble with their faith if their favorite TV show is canceled. <laughs> they, they find it to be a crisis if their iPhone is broken. But today, I want to give you three keys that are going to help you. Three keys that will help you have longevity in remaining faithful to God. And those three keys are the first three um, blanks on your outline. They are living, giving, and being. These words and the principles behind them will help guide you through your life and help you to remain faithful as well throughout your life. Let's look at the first idea, living. The scripture says, in him we live and move and have our being. All of us would agree that God is the source of all life. It's a basic tenet of scripture that life rose up from God from the beginning when he breathed into Adam uh, the breath of life and he became a living soul. And so all that could be called life has its fountainhead in God. And so us too, we receive our life, the life we live, from God himself. John said in John, in, uh, uh, Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse 10, I am come that you might have life and that more abundantly. So the reason we are here today together is that God wants to infuse life into your being. He wants something to happen as a result of your attendance in the house of the Lord today that is going to change your life and cause you to represent the life of God better in your daily living. The first idea under this category is that we should live by principle. Principle is the next blank. Principle. 
guided by principle rather than emotion in our life. You know, when you are responding emotionally to life's turmoils and situations, you often make the wrong decision. You often take the wrong path because we allow our emotions to guide us rather than be guided by principle. A principle is a truth which is used as a basis for our conduct. It is a rule for personal conduct. It's like a track upon which your life runs. And it keeps you in the place that you should be. We all have principles in our life. They come from our family, our education, our role models, or whatever. And we adopt principles as a way of guiding our life in the direction that we wish to go. For instance, if, if you are a believer, you have adopted principles based upon the concepts of truth, or love, or faith, or any number of other principles which you may find in Scripture. And these become the values or the rules by which we make decisions to guide our interaction with others in our lives. So when a circumstance comes up, you're not simply flying by the seat of your pants, but you've already made a decision that you are going to respond in a principled way and accomplish what God intends for you to accomplish in your life. For me, the principles that are most important are found in Scripture. They are always my fallback position. If there's any question... Just refer to the instruction book. If you know me and spend any time with me, you know that it's not very long that we, we talk together until uh, a scripture comes up in conversation regarding what we may be discussing. It's because that the scripture is the place where I have found my strength. And I have found that which guides me in my life. If I am in turmoil or in trauma or in trial, I look to the scriptures to provide the right response to guide me through. I've depended throughout my life, especially in the, the, on the principles that are found in the book of Proverbs. And those of you that are um, being discipled, my, being helped in any way, you know that my first response is to get you in the book of Proverbs because it will help you to understand the principles that God wants us to live by. Proverbs 11 verse 3 for instance, the integrity of the upright will guide them. Verse 13, the same chapter, a talebearer reveals secrets but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. Verse 17, the same chapter, the merciful man does good for his own soul, but he who is cruel troubles his own flesh. So here in these verses, we find principles regarding integrity, about how to be a faithful person, a faithful spirit, how to be a merciful man. These are scriptures which provide for us an undergirding of our life and help us to live in a godly fashion and guide our lives in such a way that we find true joy in living. My challenge for you today is that you would learn biblical principles and determine to live by them. Learn biblical principles and determine to live by them because it will sustain you for the long haul. The second under living is living with purpose. Today I think the word might be more commonly 
intentionality. But I personally am a little more comfortable with the word purpose. So I'll use it today. Having and understanding one's purpose in life is the basis for a happy and fulfilled life. So many people, especially young people, do not know what the purpose of their life is, so they are frustrated with life itself. And isn't it true that many young people take their own lives because they see no hope for their future? And how sad and tragic that is. But young people often don't know what to do with their lives. Since Pastor Ross is not here today, I can talk to you about him a little bit. (laughs) When he was about 20 years old, he was in his first year of college, going to a community college in the hometown where we were in Washington. And from time to time, he would come to me and he'd say, Dad, do you think anybody will ever pay me enough money to have a wife? Or he'd say, do you, do, you think it's, do you think it's possible that I'll be able to get a good job in my life? And he didn't know exactly what to do at 19 and 20 years old. And I don't find that too unusual. In fact, I find today that that's gone up a, about 10 years. And that young people are, are moving through their life without purpose. They don't really know what they're supposed to do. But obviously, uh, Pastor Ross, uh, he had some good guidance, which I gave him. <laughs> and I said, look, you've got you to do something. You've got to broaden your scope. You've got you to have different experiences in your life. And so he made application, went to Oral Roberts University, the first of our family to go to college. And, um, and the first trimester, first semester, was very difficult because he was just this little guy from a little town among 5,000 people. He'd never been in that big a crowd before in his whole life. But after the first semester, he found the music ministries department, and he began to sing and to minister. And throughout his years at the university, he did many, many exciting and wonderful things, as did some of the other children that they followed him along to Old Roberts University and now Zachary's uh, into his second year. And so it's a, it's a very, very good thing to begin to learn your purpose early in life. And if you'll accept God's pattern for your life and understand that he has a purpose for you, then your life will be so much more satisfactory. Don't wait to seek his purpose and his will for your life from the word of God. The Westminster Catechism says, man's purpose is to obey God and enjoy him forever. That's not a bad start right there. Take time to know God, to obey him, and enjoy a relationship with him. The reason many people do not know the purpose for their life is that they've not yet come to the place of yielding to God's ideas for them. They're still kicking against the pricks. They're still wanting their own way. They're still trying to make it happen by themselves. But God has given us Guidance, principles in his, perp- in his word, purpose for which we may live our lives and be satisfied and happy. 
Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is purpose that you can sink your teeth into. You can meditate upon these verses, and then you can make decisions which will be good and godly for your life. The second big idea for today, not only is living, but giving. Giving. God is a giver. The scripture makes that known throughout the Bible. And he gives good gifts. The good thing about it is that he made you that way too. He made us to be giving people. What this means to me today is to live a life with an open hand. Whatever blessings God brings to us, we choose to hold it loosely so that he can use it for his own purposes. Giving is a big, big subject in scripture. But most of us simply think about it as it pertains to resources. And while that's very important that we should be Faithful in those things. For today, we are talking about giving, which will help you remain vital and faithful for the long haul in your life. The two ideas I want to present to you, the first is serving. Giving through serving others. This is simply living life beyond yourself. This means that you make time for other people in your life beyond yourself and immediate family. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3, let each look out not only for his own interests, for also the interests of others. Now this doesn't give you permission to meddle in other people's lives. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about providing in your life an opportunity to look out for in terms of encouragement and blessing and helping others, serving others. Colossians 3, verse 12 and 13. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. Serving others takes on many different forms. And it can be done inside the church. It can be done outside the church. Certainly in your neighborhood is, a, is an essential place to adopt a pattern of serving others. And when you do, it's going to make a difference in the lives of those you touch. The second point under giving is laying down your life, in a figurative sense, of course. We talked about those a few moments ago who are laying down their life or their faith around the world. And it is, in many, in many ways, tragic. But for us today, I want you to think about how can I lay down my life as a giver. This, like charity, begins at home. It begins with your parents. It begins with your children. Those who are closest to you. You determine to make their lives better. And you lay down your life for them. 
And we tend to use this phrase, laying down your life, more for those who are going to far off mission fields. And that is a great example of how to lay down your life. However, most of us are called simply to lay down our lives for those who are closer to home. In fact, it's questionable that you can go to the far-off mission field if you haven't learned how to lay down your life for those who are closer to you at home. If you want to be successful for the long haul, determine to give by laying down your life, your desires, your dreams, to make them successful, and then you will be positioned to be blessed by God in your own life. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 17, the Apostle Paul said, I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith. Now what he meant in figurative language was that he was getting ready to die. But he said it this way, I am being poured out as a drink offering. He took a picture from the Old Testament, from the sacrifices, and you'll find them uh, spread throughout the Old Testament. I think the first one in Genesis chapter 35, where it mentions this idea. And it was to take some water or some wine and pour it out before the Lord as a sign of complete adoration and obedience. And so, a couple times in this message today, we've read scriptures where the Apostle Paul wrote, And said to those to whom he was writing, I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith. This is a concept which you could get a hold of today. Learning how to pour out your life for the sake of others. Laying down your life. My encouragement for you, church, is to decide to be a giver in the big things of life. Keep an open hand with things. Not a closed fist. It will help you over your lifetime. To be faithful. First there's living. Then there's giving. And now there's being. Being. Is an idea. Which is so important. And we don't give much thought to it. It leads us to have an understanding. Of our own place. In life. And in God's kingdom. This has to do with understanding your value. And where that value comes from. Today's world is available to us in the palm of our hand. We have our machines. And we all like them. I used to get upset when people would text in church while I was preaching. Now I do it while the pastor's preaching too. Bill O'Reilly says uh, on his program on Fox News that the machines are taking over. And if you look around uh, today in this service or at the mall or in any restaurant that you may happen to frequent, you'll find uh, not only young people doing this with their face in the machine, but the parents as well. And people around in, in public are spending their time while they're with their family or with their friends, talking to or communicating to, receiving or giving information to a, a hundred different directions. And we, we spend our time not, 
not being. We spend our time casting out Facebook pictures, Instagram pictures. So there's some others, but I don't know what they are. <laughs> but being, if we just want to be, then it requires us to become quiet in our inner man and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, which is the source of our value in the first place. You've got to take enough time to quieten your spirit and hear the voice of God as he speaks to you, both from his word and in prayer, and he will help you to understand your own value. One of the most helpful messages I ever heard in my entire life was given by a well-known pastor, Jim Beal of Detroit, Michigan. And he said in that message, God has given us all a place to stand. I've never forgotten that idea. That God has given me in his kingdom a place to stand, a place to be, a value that he has placed upon me. And finding that place to stand or that state of being is imperative for us to make it for the long haul. You can't just cast your life out upon the waters of this world and expect to have an impact for God. You've got to learn to be whom God has called you to be. And in that regard, I want to say two things to you. That we are accepted in the beloved. This is an idea for being. We are accepted in the beloved. Ephesians 1.6, his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In Christ. How important it is for you and me to know that he has accepted us and receives us unto himself. If you can make this idea a part of your life of faith, it will help you have a place to stand in your life, which will support you throughout your life, no matter how the winds of adversity blow. I could take time today to recount some of the experiences which I had in my own life when the winds of adversity blew, that I found that place to stand and I was able to trust in God while things were difficult and survive for another day. We are accepted in the beloved. We are in Christ by faith. It does not come because we're good people. It doesn't come because we've made all the right decisions. It comes because we are in Christ by faith. Colossians 3 verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 3. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Ephesians 2.13 But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. These simple yet profound concepts from Scripture have sustained me through 60 years of faith. And my message to you today is if you will adopt them, if you'll make them part of your daily life of faith, you too can have this testimony with the Apostle Paul and with me. I want to return to our text, 2 Timothy 4, 6-8. I have fought the good fight. 
I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Would you bow your head with me in prayer? Lord Jesus, I want to ask you once again now here at the close of this message to speak into our lives about these three important concepts, living, giving, and being. That we would be able to understand from your word how important and, and strong they can be for us. How they can provide for us life and purpose. How they can provide for us opportunities to, to lay our life down and serve others. How we can understand how to, to stand strong when opposition comes. Father, I ask you to speak to our hearts today. Touch every young person's heart under the sound of my voice. That they might realize that it's possible for them to remain faithful for the long haul. And they can live by the principles which you have laid down in your word. Minister to our hearts now in Jesus' name. While our heads are bowed just for a moment or two. I want to ask if there's any in this room whose heart has been pricked as I've spoken about something in this message. And you realize that there's still, there's still some weakness, there's still some difficulty that you're having in, in living by principle or being a giver and laying down your life or finding that place to stand for your own faith and you're struggling with that or had difficulty with it in the recent past. And you lift up your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me right now? Lift up your hand high. Just hold it up for a moment. Several of you throughout the, the auditorium. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's good for us to make the confession. It's good for us to lift up our hand and say, Lord, help me during this time. Now, Father, I pray for these who've lifted up their hands today. I ask in Jesus' name that you would help them to realize the value of what's been spoken today and that they would take it to heart. And when they go out of this room today, they would find that place with you where you'd confirm in them the needs that they have. We thank you for your grace and blessing and deliverance in Jesus' name.